Welcome to our final chapter of Mark's Gospel. So in this video, we're going to be taking a look at Mark chapter 16. And you might notice this is kind of short. Um, if you feel like this is just kind of too short for you, and if you want to uh, spend a little bit more time, um, I would recommend to take a look at the Bible Project video that goes through the overview of Mark's Gospel. And that will kind of remind you from the very beginning what Mark's Gospel was all about leading up to this point. Now, where we've left off is Jesus has already been crucified and he was always, already buried. And now in Mark chapter 16, like each one of the Gospels does something like this, in Mark 16, what we're going to read about is whenever he is raised up from the dead. So let's take a look at that together. Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white robe, in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you, trembling and bewildered. The women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. So let's pause right here in, in this, this story and let's kind of take in some of these things that's happening. Okay, so this is the Sunday morning that Jesus rose up from the dead. You know, if we want to kind of uh, put it into, into perspective of what we've looked at just kind of a few weeks ago or uh, not too long ago was, you know, Easter Sunday. That's the time that we really um, celebrate. Uh, we do it every Sunday, but around Easter time, that's really the, the time of the year that Jesus would have been raised up from the dead. And we see that what happens on this very first Sunday morning. See, they don't know that Jesus has already been raised up from the dead. Why are they coming? In verse 1, we see that they are coming with every intention to anoint the body of Jesus. Now, this apparently was part of the, the process. You know, they because of the way that Jesus died and also the way that he was buried, it made it to where they, they couldn't go through everything that they would normally do and, and be able to anoint Jesus' body in the way that they felt was proper. So they buried him, and now they were going to kind of finish the burial process, so to speak. That's what they were intending on doing. Now, we also noticed that they didn't know how they were going to accomplish this because this is a, a group of women who's coming. And this group of women, they're asking each other, okay, so who's going to roll this stone away? They didn't know how they were going to do it, but they knew they needed to do something. They were trying to serve Jesus in the, the only way that they knew how at this point, to give him a proper burial to anoint the body of Jesus. Whenever they come there, they see this young man who's dressed in white. We can borrow it from other gospels and we can tell this is an angel. I think you can even see that from Mark's gospel. You can tell this is an angel. And he's right there. And the message that he has is don't be alarmed. Now, did they listen to that message? Well, I mean, would you? Think about this. You go to the tomb of someone you were expecting to be dead. You expect their body to be there. Their body isn't there. What goes through your mind? They didn't know 
what was going on. They were alarmed. They were afraid. But the message of uh, this messenger, this angel, is don't be alarmed. And then he says, you're looking for Jesus. Well, he was crucified, but now he is risen. He is not here. And he invites them to see the place where Jesus laid. So, I mean, this was the, this was the right tomb without a doubt, okay? So, you know, it's not like they just kind of got up and went to the wrong tomb. No, they, these, these people, they saw where he was laid. That's what we looked at at the last of uh, chapter 15 is that they saw where he was laid. They, they knew the right tomb. They were at the right place. And this right place didn't have the body of Jesus. So, so what does that mean? He's risen. He is not here. They needed to see the place. And then they were given this task. They were sent to go tell the disciples and Peter. That's what verse 7 tells us, that their job was to tell the disciples and Peter. Now, I want to just kind of let us think together. Why would Peter be set apart? Well, remember how all of this happened. Remember that he's the one that was specifically told that he was going to deny Jesus. Now, yes, everybody else did too. But he denied Jesus in kind of a special way. And I don't mean that in a good way. I mean that it was it was especially a, a harmful way. Like he, he blatantly denied even knowing Jesus three times in a row. And then that's whenever he heard uh, the rooster crow. Um, but that, that's why he's also stated here in verse 7 that... The disciples needed to be told that Jesus was raised up from the dead, but also Peter needed to be told that because Peter needs to have this moment of reconciliation. Now, Mark doesn't tell us that moment, and actually uh, Matthew doesn't, and Luke doesn't either. Only gospel, to, only the only gospel that tells us is John's gospel. We get that that intimate relationship where they are sharing a meal together, and Jesus kind of reinstates Peter and kind of lifts him back up. And that's why we see Peter on the day of Pentecost being the, the one to proclaim the gospel message. But I'm getting ahead of the story and I'm also getting outside of the pages of Mark. But I just kind of want us to, to be thinking about these things and piecing these things together. So it was a very important uh, message of reconciliation right here. So they are sent to go proclaim this wonderful message that Jesus has risen from the dead. Well, how do they respond? They were alarmed. They're told not to be alarmed. But then in verse 8, trembling and bewildered. And it also says that they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Now, I think that what this is really meaning is that when they said nothing to anyone, I think that means they went directly to the disciples. Uh, they, they didn't you know, stop along the way and say, hey, did you hear this? You know, they, they didn't do any of that. They went right there, kind of laser focus, if you will. Um, that's how I take that because obviously they did tell somebody because that's why Mark's gospel was written. I mean, the, the disciples knew and they were given this, this testimony by the women. So obviously the women did go and they did tell this message. Um, but we noticed that they were afraid. And, and this is kind of an important thing because it was a scary moment. They were still trying to figure out how is this going to change uh, the world in which I live? Because knowing that Jesus raised from the dead, that does change things. That changes everything for us. So as we get to, to Mark's gospel right here in, uh, in Mark chapter 16, uh, as, as we get to this very end, um, you, you might notice in your Bibles a little, uh, a little statement at this point. 
And uh, we're going to continue on with the rest of this chapter. But you might notice a little statement. In the NIV, it reads, The earliest manuscripts and some other ancient witnesses do not have verses 9 through 20. Well, we're going to be looking at verses 9 through 20 uh, because I believe that um, it, it would be part of the original. I, I believe that the ending of Mark doesn't, doesn't just end with a statement um, that uh, they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. That's, a, that's an odd ending. It's, it's a story that is missing an ending. And, and I guess if you... Uh, you know, I, I have kind of heard from some people who do think that it actually ends right there because some of the manuscripts don't have any more than that. And, and a manuscript is just an early copy uh, of Mark's gospel. It's an early handwritten copy of Mark's gospel. And some of those do just end at verse 8. It's, it's kind of a weird thing. It's it's almost like something did happen to the ending of Mark and they, they didn't, um, you, you know, so they just kind of, they, they ended at that place. Um, but, you know, in some ways, the story is kind of complete. And it's kind of has been argued by some that it is complete because obviously you know they did tell people because we have the message today. But then I think that it's it still needs a little bit more about this story. And we need to see that that's not the end. There's still more to it. So now we're going to continue on and look at verses 9 through 20. We're going to first look at verses 9 through 14 though. Uh, this is what's stated, and this is found in, in several different manuscripts and all, and, and uh, I'm sure that you've heard these verses, but let's take a look at them together. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe. Afterward, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. They returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Let's pause right here. Because, you know, we see that the story is continuing on. And, and by the way, you'll kind of notice in verses 9 through 14 that we don't get, or, or in verses 9 through 20, uh, rather, we don't really get any new information, you know, any information that can't be found somewhere else in the scriptures as well. So, you know, as, as far as Mark's original uh, ending to his gospel, what we see is that, you know, all of these things are true. You know, all of these things do follow. And we don't have to rely upon just the ending of Mark in order to tell us these things. We see them in other passages, too. Uh, but you notice that there's a lot of disbelief in what's going on. Like even the, the disciples of Jesus had their moments of disbelief. So much so that what Jesus did in verse 14 is he rebuked them for their lack of faith. Jesus had a problem with the fact that they couldn't believe. They, they wouldn't believe. They were slow to believe. I hope that we have, we have learned through the, the, uh, the thousands of years of, of, of history now. I hope that we can you know, move past that and understand this importance of, of faith today. You know, we are people who, who haven't seen the resurrected Lord, you know, and, and we don't have any hope of being able to go to that tomb and to be able to examine the evidence, you know, firsthand and stuff. What we do have, though, is a, an accurate witness of what took place, and that's found in the gospel accounts right here. And we see that, that even people who were living during this time, they still had their own moments of disbelief. But this really shows us how much Jesus is willing to work with us, because Yes, he rebuked them, and he had a problem with all of that, but he continued on. And in fact, he gives them a task. Let's look at that task now. 
verses 15 through 20. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will take, I'm sorry, they will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven, and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and, and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. So this is what we, this is what we get. This is called the, you know, the Great Commission. We see that Matthew has his own version that's that's very similar to this one, right? We also can turn to the pages of Luke, and what we find out is that that Jesus did, in fact, you know, say things like this. So, you know, we have multiple witnesses that might kind of mention the exact wording and and, and sort of how all, the, all of those events took place, maybe just a little bit different, but we see that this is the commission. This is the task that Jesus left his disciples with. Right here, the way that Mark records it is, they're supposed to go out in all the world. They're supposed to proclaim this message, this gospel message. And we see the importance of, of that we have to believe. Verse 16, you know, we have to believe and we also have to be baptized in order to be saved. We see this stress on believing because, you know, it says that whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Do you notice the importance of our faith? This faith that we must have in Jesus Christ. Keep in mind, this is right after Jesus has rebuked his disciples and, and said that you know he rebuked them for their lack of faith. And now he's saying, look, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Pay attention. You know, this is, a, this is an important warning. And this is one that is also mentioned in Matthew's gospel. It's mentioned in John's gospel. It's also mentioned kind of at the, the beginning of the, the, uh, the book of Acts as well. And then we notice in verses 17 and following that there are going to be signs that accompany the believers. Now, these signs, we need to, to read them properly. We need to understand their proper place. Because all of these signs that are mentioned right here, we pretty well see them in the book of Acts. Kind of an exception to that is there's one thing about how uh, it does mention in verse 18 that they will pick up snakes with their hands. Uh, that's kind of odd. We need to make sure that we don't turn these things into like a test of faith. Because if we are testing our faith or testing God, that's looked down upon uh, like tremendously in the Bible. We're not supposed to, to test God. So we need to be careful that we don't turn these things into tests and say, oh, well, you know, if I handle this snake, I'll be able to, uh, to, you know, if I have faith, I'll be able to handle the snake and not get hurt. That's a test of, of God. That's a test of what he will do um, in, in that situation. We don't need to be people that are like that. We do see in the book of Acts, though, that uh, toward the end of it, uh, Paul is bit by a snake and everybody expects him to die, uh, but he doesn't. And then they, they want to know, well, what's, what's different about this guy? And then he has his opportunity to proclaim about Jesus. So that's kind of an interesting story that you see at the end of the book of Acts. Um, it also, though, mentions there, going back to verse 18, uh, when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. Um, I don't know that we really have a parallel to that in the Bible. Um, but I mean, some of the stories that you will read about, about the early church and some of the, the, uh, the ways that they, uh, maybe even tried to put to death some of the early Christians, it's kind of interesting how we read about 
occasions. Like um, there's a, a famous book called Fox's Book of Martyrs. And what that is is that just kind of records all of these, these uh, early accounts of Christians that um, people might try to put them to death. And then sometimes it didn't always work. And it was kind of interesting like that. Um, I don't know if maybe we sort of see some of those things about poisons. But once again, we don't need to turn this into a test of our God or a test of our own faith like that because, you know, those things are, are, are prohibited uh, in the scriptures. Um, those are just kind of a couple of weird things. All the rest of these things we see. We, we see in the book of Acts. We see that, that they drive out demons. They're also speaking in tongues. We also see uh, that they heal people. So all of those things we do see time and time again throughout the book of Acts. And in the last two verses right here, uh, it, it's kind of a summary statement about what happened. Uh, we see that, that Jesus, he did ascend into heaven and he is at the right hand of God. We see this numerous other places in the New Testament uh, as well. And then we see the disciples, they went out and they proclaimed this message. See the book of Acts if you want to continue on this story after uh, Mark's gospel and to be able to see how the message was boldly proclaimed throughout the world. And with this, we come to the end of Mark's gospel. And we also kind of come to a challenge for us today. Can we boldly proclaim like they were supposed to right here? Can we boldly proclaim this gospel message? Because we do have the rest of the story. You know, we see that we're 2,000 years uh, removed from this. And we can see how Jesus has transformed so many lives of people who have come before us. And how he can transform our lives. And then also the lives of the people around us. This is the gospel message that we must boldly proclaim. Once again... If you thought this video was maybe a little bit shorter, that's okay. If you want to kind of dive into some of these things, uh, check out this video right here uh, from the Bible Project. You can, uh, I'll include a link down below uh, that you can follow and be able to, to watch this video. Uh, and this video, it just kind of gives you an overview of Mark's gospel. What I really like to do whenever I study a book of the Bible is before I get into it, if I could watch the Bible Project overview of it, kind of tells me, uh, what the book is all about and sort of where everything fits in. Then I like to study and maybe take some time like what we've been doing here in these, these studies together. And then at the end, I really like to end by watching that video again because then it, it just kind of reinstates all these things that you've been looking at. You saw what you were supposed to be looking at in Mark's gospel. We've looked at Mark's gospel and then you can see all these things and maybe kind of piece together this story again. And, and I believe that if you watch these videos at the, the beginning and the end of your studies, then you will learn more and more about it. Uh, also, if maybe you kind of missed one of these studies, one of these, uh, these chapters of Mark's gospel, uh, make sure to just kind of check um, here on, on the internet and you'll be able to find uh, those other videos and to be able to watch them and, and kind of complete this study of Mark's gospel. So thank you very much for taking this time uh, to, to look at this wonderful gospel with us, and let's make sure that we boldly proclaim it to people around us.